Welcome to In The Room, where we explore the elusive world of casting for film, TV, and commercials. Join us as we interview directors, writers, producers, and actors, taking a deep dive into their experiences with casting and how the ultimate decisions are made in bringing a story to the screen. Get an inside look at casting and find out what really goes on in the room. somebody around knows about things advise you teach you how to cover your ass yeah yeah see it's not so much what you've been doing it's what guys think you've been doing and that's what you gotta look out for and when it happens you gotta be prepared to do something yeah Where's he gonna be tomorrow night? Oh. Johnny Amato, tomorrow night, where's he gonna be? <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. Mike, you gotta keep in mind what I told you. Your friends are worried about you. It's your friends that wanna see you get a second chance. And it's your friends that want to know where Squirrel's gonna be. I don't know who the fuck you are. Very few guys do. Oh, Dylan, maybe. Yeah, Dylan knows me. Yeah. You want me to call Dylan for you? So you can talk to Dylan and see who I am? Here we are. Once again, I'm Heather Kafka, and I'm an actor. I'm John Williams. I'm a casting director. I'm Kendra Franklin. I'm an actor and a casting assistant. And today, we're here with Scoot McNary. Scoot? Hiya. <laughs> Scoot McNary. <laughs> um, Scoot is an award-winning actor and a film producer. He was born in Texas, has over 200 commercial credits to his name, and has gone on to star in films and televisions in television, working alongside some of our most cherished actors and directors working today. Roles in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Argo, Killing Them Softly, Twelve Years a Slave, Gone Girl, Narcos, True Detective, Halt and Catch Fire, and Godless, just to name a few, have all brought him into creative collaboration with the likes of Quentin Tarantino, Brad Pitt, Ben Affleck, Gus Van Zant, Lynn Shelton, and Julianne Moore, and the list goes on. And Lyle Lyle Crocodile in there is something his kids can watch. And I know I like that because my kid can't watch any of my stuff. So I bet that feels good. Um, 
he seems a humble human amidst his vast and creeping body of powerful work. I think he loves the work. I wonder if auditions drive him crazy or if he even has to anymore. And I want to give some pre-gratitude to him today for giving us a little of his time to just be humans and talk about this crazy creative life we're trying to live. Scoot, thank you for being with us. Hey, thank you guys so much for uh, having me on the podcast. I think it's really cool what you guys are, are doing here and very informative to uh, a lot of people that are in this in the business. I mean, yeah, it's such a mysterious sort of process. And it, I think there's so much uh, difference in, in how each project's approached is what we're finding out, too. So it's, it's, it's cool to have these conversations and co- uncover some of this stuff and see how every every painting is done differently. Mm-hmm. And so because you're our first actor on the show, I thought we might try to go a little differently today. So perhaps even more hyper-focused on what goes on in the room, the audition, the life of auditioning for an actor, how casting dictates our careers and our own personal stories of the auditions and castings in our lives that have drawn the outlines of our careers. So rather than ask you all the typical interview questions of getting to know an actor, I wonder if we might pick your brain for some of your personal philosophies around an actor's relationship with the casting process. We've talked with directors and writers on the what they're looking for side of things, and now we have a chance to learn what it's like to be the one looked at as a constant step toward the creative process. So let's let's start uh, with something... Something easy. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, but most all of the castings I've been on have been tr- tr- trauma. Like, <laughs> so, like you, so you, you tend to like forget about, I mean, you remember a couple of them, but you try to forget about all of them because they're, you're such in a heightened state of like, of, I don't know what it is, just a mi- like a car crash or a mix of fear or anxiety or adrenaline. I, I do remember I had a problem for years with my mouth drying up mm. the second I walked into a room. And I remember that being like a really difficult thing that I, I didn't overcome it. I just started bringing like literally a cup of water into the casting and and would have to drink, you know, or I'd try and work it into the casting or whatnot. But I did have to drink because my mouth would just turn completely dry the second I got nervous. Do you remember your first audition? My first audition wasn't really, no, that's not true. My first audition in LA wasn't really an audition, but my first audition ever was for this independent film that I made in, or that we did in, in Austin called um, Wrong Numbers. And it was like with the filmmaker, Alex Holdridge, who you worked with as well on, on a film we did years ago called Sexless. And um, it was a weird casting process. <laughs> I, yeah. the, the did you well? I think no, but I did something for Alex where I don't know if it was Midnight Kiss or no, I guess it was Sexless where he was having some castings and so he said to me and my friend Jesse Schwartz, would you guys come be my readers just because I have to be like, hey, come to my apartment for an audition. And so that'll help make people feel comfortable Ooh. that it's like a real thing. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, so we did. That's what we were doing. That, that's how it went. Like he, <laughs> he showed up at this 
place that I was taking this look acting class. And what even acting class? It was like five people. There was a girl in there that was like nine that I was reading <laughs> Pulp Fiction scenes with. No. Anyway, it was a great place to start. Anyways, Alex came in and just said, hey, I'm casting this thing. And I said, hey, can I read for it after class? I can't this weekend. Long story short, he um, he called me for the to come back in and read again, uh, call back. And it was at his apartment. Yeah. And those script, it, I just sat next to him, like on the on the computer while he read the lines off the other person and I read the other lines and I remember turning to him after we were done and I was like so now what and he was like I think we start shooting in like a week <laughs> and I was like all right like I have a job like I'm a I'm an arborist right now <laughs> and he was like don't worry like we'll work around it and we just randomly shot on that film for he, six he months. He starts writing, he's like, okay, he's in a tree yeah. and I can shoot while he's working. I get production value. Yeah, That sounds yeah. so Austin. Yeah, we had like XLR cables running <laughs> from our mic packs out of our pants across the parking lot into the camera. So like you couldn't go far because you were like tethered to the, to the camera. That's amazing. <laughs> and I even remember Alex one time like trying to tape Robert to the hood of the car because he wanted to shoot on the hood and he's like it's gonna fall off he's like just ride on the hood we won't go fast like, i'm not riding on the hood and alex tried to start taping the dp to the hood and he's like, stop taping me <laughs> that's a good time oh my god and and for you that's your first right so you're like okay this is normal you're like this yeah. is great this is yeah let's do this forever did you think that at the time were you like or was this just something you were I didn't, doing? No, that was at the time I was acting that movie, but it, that movie was what made me want to be a cinematographer, mm. which is what I moved to Los Angeles for to go to film school to be a you know a director of photography, or I was gonna wanted to be a wildlife cinematographer. So John Bussey was the camera guy on it, and uh, I chatted with him and just found an interest in that came out here and did that for a little while, and then. I think shortly a year after that, I I, I met you, Johnny. Um, yeah, I imagine you were lured in because uh, the commercial world they were probably like, uh, "Hey, you want to make some quick, quick, quick cash?" Kind of. I was uh, a carpenter building like these sets for this event planning company, and the guy in the floral department in the building next to me, his best friend was a commercial agent, and so he asked me to bartend at his Christmas party for like a hundred bucks. And I was like, dude, I'll do it. Anyways, that was John Pierce. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. See, but I, I feel like that's a common denominator thing whenever you're trying to trace back, like how someone got somewhere. How'd you get here? What was your path? What was your journey? And it always seems to have this like haplessness well, to it. Well, shout out to John Pierce too, because he is his yeah, partner. Yeah, been with him he's, for 20 years. Yeah, he's been with him for 20 years. Like they, it, they're, they have production team together. Like. But what, I'm, what I mean is that like you said, yes. Do you know what I mean? Like even as you're like finding your way, trying to figure out how to do the thing in life. Did he mention he was a carpenter in LA with no money? Of course he said yes to hundred bucks. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Is like you <laughs> yeah, said like, yes. But my you first commercials were like, like Marshalls. <laughs> and all I had to do was walk out of a room and like kiss my, um, my commercial mother 
uh, on the cheek and walk off. And I made as much money on that as I did an entire year of carpentry. I was just like, what am I doing? But then when someone was like, will you come bartend this thing? You're like, okay, you know. But it's money. Oh, I'd do anything. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> There's money involved. I mean, I had to like survive. So like yeah. redoing closets, any, I didn't, I had no ego about like what I was doing for work. And I still, I think that I still don't. Yeah, looking over your stuff, you say you do, you do, I was like blown away at how much work you've done. I was like, whoa. It's long. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, So you meet John and, and then you make, you make, make a a good amount and then you, then you stay in commercials for a bit. uh, And that's where we met. And and the thing, the thing. 10 years. So you said 10 years. I did commercials for a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just book all the time or did that just like I, did you have waves with the commercial thing was like the lottery the more you play the more you're gonna win yeah so he did our, our commercial agent john man he got us out on five to sometimes ten a week so we did everyone at the agency worked a lot but it was mostly i feel like because we were well, and John con- so he cultivated cats. he cultivated his roster really well. It was you guys were all of that time in your twenties and thirties. You were it was a cool agency, so it was like yeah, it was very everybody that was rep there was uh, just really had style and really had. But the thing about Scoot that uh, was always so impressive is that a lot of those same people or normal that age show up and they're like, they couldn't be bothered. Like, you know, it's like, what are we doing today? What are the sides? And Mm. he consistently every time Mm. was like, took it serious, showed up, delivered. Like, and I think that's, I think that's a real reason that you did so well is because, you know, once, cause once you come in the room, all, you know, the vibe and you guys can speak to this in, in the waiting room, which is just like, sometimes just horrible it's you know a hellscape yeah of everybody just sizing each other up i hate it as soon as people come in the room nervous like you said dry yeah. mouth like in all the in- it's like so easy to see unprepared you know or just too cool to even try to be vulnerable or do you ever see like some people like when you go into the room like you'll see people you know or whatever and it's almost like i've noticed like some people try to throw each other off Especially yes. if they've already been in and they'll come out and they kind of like throw you off. And like, I've even had to tell people, I don't want to know like what you did. Like they're trying to tell me and I'm like, oh, well, they did. Okay. Because then whatever I'm feeling, you know what I mean? Like, and I have to try to block that. But, but I notice like people do that. Like they'll like try to pull you away from you being, especially if you're trying to prepare. That waiting room shit, I can't do. It's all like Patty <laughs> Cathy's and yeah. I just go hide in the corner with my headphones. Yeah, I'll go I'm the, the weird girl yeah, who's they'll come like try to talk checked to me. out in the corner. I feel like the, during that time, it was a different era. Like everybody was trying, the philosophy I feel like we all had was, we don't care who books it as long as it's somebody we know. Oh. Yeah. So we were constantly helping each other out or trying to get other people jobs. I mean, when we come out of the room, hey, whatever, don't do this. They yeah. didn't like it. Or like, hey, you know, we were we were always trying to give somebody a one. I remember when I brought Aaron Paul over to uh, JPA, you know, he had had a Aaron worked all the time, all the time, even when we were younger. But he, I guess he had a little slump. And I was like, come over to this agency. You make a little money commercial and get back to your TV. 
And my Pierce, John Pierce said to me, he goes, this guy's going to take all your work. And I was like, no, he's not. I'm nothing. I'm nothing like this guy. And he's like, are you sure? I was like, yes, bring him over. I love him. And so he brought him over and then I didn't work for like, (laughs) and I was like, fuck, like, you know what? And then obviously Aaron's TV picked back up and he went on to do a couple pilots. And And you got jobs again. (laughs) Yeah, but it was a very, um, it felt like it was a very, there was such a, uh, an atmosphere of, of just trying to bring everybody up or keep everybody together or bring everybody together. Shane's office was like that a lot, right? After we after when we were there because we were all under people and so that was like a very much family atmosphere and we all and that's what i always tell people i when i walk out of the room and i i tell you guys what we're looking for it's because i've listened in the room to the directors and they're they want these changes you know like we're all there like please come in and knock it out of the park that's what we want you know and i think you can tell like who's who's really like your friends who are really like hey okay if it's not me it's you like i think you can tell versus the ones who feel like they're competing mm-hmm. and but i will say like for me like i feel like austin probably has more or at least when we were like all in person and i really kind of got into my groove it was more of like okay we're all friends we're all wanting to win when i moved to a different city then i can feel the difference and people were like oh y'all are like that in austin because it's real competitive here and mm-hmm. i'm like oh and then I felt that vibe again. So maybe I'm going back. Austin, I think, is more of a we're trying to help each other, maybe. I think a lot of actors coming up, too, they they feel that pressure of, like, I have to impress this person, as opposed to, like, what you just said, which is so normal a mindset for the casting people, which is we want you to do well. I think a lot of actors miss that memo. On the same note, we're super frustrated because you come in and don't, don't do, do well uh speak for yourself john i'm very prepared all the time but it does feel like sometimes you give the note and they hear it and they just don't, and they don't like do it ner- either their yeah. nerves take over yeah. and they just go in and just do complete opposite but scoot didn't you have a friend or, or someone in casting who you you could sit and watch all the tapes and watch all yeah. the auditions and like i think yeah. that's so helpful it, it you know honestly it really was um um Jessica J, um, she's she passed uh, a couple years back, but she was a really close friend of mine. And every time I came into 200 South La Brea, I'd for a casting, I'd always just walk to the back and pop into her office and say hello. I mean, we were friends outside of casting, anyways. But I could see all the other guys come in, and just from like watching the video, because I knew the tape was getting sent out, sent out. Just from watching the video, you could kind of see of like what looked better on camera, like, you know, how much of a difference it was if you took a three foot step forward and like what the framing was, uh, when to stay still and when to move around the room based on so little things like that. Like I definitely took notice too of, you know, what's what's like easier on the eye, not like in regards to, you know, just what's, just what looks better, you know, regardless if it was right or wrong, you know what I mean? Like you could just, I, I would pick up on little things that, that, and also things that they did, you know, not things that they necessarily shouldn't do, but also things that, you know, I learned that they should do. I couldn't really put my finger specifically on those things, but, you know, going to, sort of film school did help me have a very much better understanding of 
these like little bitty things in like the shooting of an audition or the shooting of, you know, or working on a commercial or, or, or those things that, I don't know, I've just always been paid attention on set since, since my first movie of like, what's that guy doing? What's the camera doing? Why is it doing that? Why are we putting that there? Why is that happening? And I, and I always spoke up. I go to a grip or a gaffer or a deep boy. You know, what's that thing called? Oh, it's called a cartellini. What do you use it for? You know, you have so much downtime on a set mm -hmm. that I was just constantly, and when a director had downtime, hey, why are you shooting it on that lens versus this lens or what, what you know, this and that? And just always, always, and still to this day, I just came off of a, a film. I'm always chatting the director, why are you making these decisions? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Because um, I don't think there's any right or wrong in the filmmaking process. It's just what's what's your opinions on it? Like, do you like it or do you not like it? Does it make you feel or not feel? Whatever, you know? I always think that would be so good for an actor because I don't feel like we get enough of that sort of production education. And it, you know, it speaks to who you are that you took it for yourself. But I mean, as far as like an actor, it's like we spend so long, you know, in our feels and how to feel and feeling, feeling. But it's like, you know, it wasn't until I was on a miniseries already that I had my first close up and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know, oh, now they're going to turn the camera just on me and there's a little piece of tape and that's what's about to happen. That's what a close up is. And so you kind of learn a lot of that technical stuff on the job, sometimes like not in the best way, like when you're on camera learning. Well, I mean, that's time. that's the whole thing. Like the casting process, the 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 class process is nothing like nothing, the filming you know, process. Nothing. Yeah. And it's two completely separate skill sets. Yeah. And they they're don't. All, they're all three of them. They're yeah, all class, different skill sets. The audition process to working on the set are all three different professions. Yeah, yeah, they are. I often say that it's it, like in class, there's so much focus on you that you believe when you get to set that all that focus is on you. And you're just as important if a light goes out. Yeah. Or, you know, a film, it was a film role goes out, like we have to stop, no matter how brilliant performance is. Yeah. It's all in balance and importance, you know? But classes tend to just make you think that this whole thing. And that's all that a director's thinking about is your performance. Yeah. And so you go to set and they're like, no Nobody's one's, no one's right. paying attention no one's yeah. to me. Yeah. And they're all busy doing all their yeah. things. And then they're like, okay, action. And then you're like, wait, shit, where's my things? Where, nobody's taking any time for my things. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to like produce that and understand all of what's going on. But also they keep us actors in the dark all the time anyway. I mean, I mean nobody talks about finances or finances or shit. I mean, you, have, you really have to ask for yeah. ask for it you do you know because they assume i feel like they most people um assume that the actors don't care and they don't want to know and they're all they're focusing is on themselves but in my experience has been like the the more you incorporate if you're able to do it and that's your process um able to incorporate yourself into the crew versus a separate part of the crew mm -hmm. that the whole for me like it's, it makes it easier to work on set it makes me more knowledgeable about what we're doing on set it gives me more uh space to be creative because i know exactly what my parameters are um and borders are 
I mean, all, all, all of those things, like just, uh, I can't make the movie I'm working on without all these other people. And just like, they can't shoot the movie without all of us actors, but it, like, it's, it's, it's definitely something that goes both ways. Like you have, you, you are a part of that crew as much as one doesn't wants to separate above the line or below the line. At the end of the day, there is no line to get the shit done. So like, you know, if, if your process can take it, like, I think as an actor, inject yourself into those grips and those gaffers and all those other departments. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's really educational. And for me, it just makes the whole process of being on set more fun. And that's like, probably what I love more than any of it is just being on set. Like when we're shooting, when we're not shooting. I love that energy of no one knows what to do and we're all trying to figure it out together i i, I love that problem solving i, I feel like I love that the, too. theater does a good job of, yeah. of making you for some reason you take the camera out of it and you make it a live performance like it does a better job of like everybody feeling like they're on the same the same playing field that's what i was gonna say like i will like you know my undergrad is in theater so and before you graduate you have to take all those classes like you have to take lighting you have to take stagecraft you have to take um costume design you have to because they make you understand what all goes into a production to build it no matter what your emphasis is so you would see actors would cringe because we have to go up 30 feet to hang a light and it was like terrifying because we're like no no we're used to being on stage where you would see the lighting person would freak out and acting one-on-one because he's like I'm not an actor I know how to like build things like why am I in this class but we all had a respect for each other in that aspect and it wasn't until I took my directing classes that I had to learn I mean I was barely scratching the surface because I went to Texas State and so they were working in conjunction with UT UT had a better film program and Texas State or SWT, whenever you were there, they had a better theater program. So we were learning from each other, but I, from my understanding, they're more in depth with it as far as the TV and film side. So I feel like I missed out on that. But for sure, theater makes you, like in undergrad, make you do that. At least they did when I was there. Well, it's definitely give that, more. Give you that understanding yeah. of like, not your one job in the theater, but this is how the whole theater yeah. company is ran. Yeah, so yeah. it's like if I'm on stage and the light goes out, that person's up there like scrambling. Like, you know, we, we know in that moment, like, okay, the something happened either on the electrical side or a blow went out or they well, had to And you know what's, yeah, yeah, you know what's happening. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah. Well, so at some point, you're auditioning. Did you, I mean, were some sort of philosophies, philosophies like developed or created in your mind around auditioning and the audition process as far as what that long lasting relationship would be with respect to your art and your creative process and just getting to live as an actor would always have that part of the process is this casting um off the top of my head a couple of things one is is once it was over it's concrete you can't do anything about it walk away like and i did get really good at that of like you can't do anything about it now. Move forward. Stop looking backwards. Um, the other thing I was aware of is that going out on that many commercial auditions before I start auditioning for guest stars or you know theatrical stuff. You know, although I still have my dry mouth, like there was a certain sense of comfortability just from doing it all the time. Um, that sort of set in. 
and that idea of, okay, that one didn't go that well. What's the next one? And I feel like, you know, for some people that audition once a month or twice a month, that's got to be incredibly difficult because you're putting so much pressure into this one moment. And so it definitely helped me out to, to do all those commercial castings for so long that gave me a sense of comfortability. But I mean, commercials, like you got what, Johnny? Minute, half, minute, 60 seconds to get these people to want to cast you. I think knowing that in the commercial uh, world or realm, you got 60 seconds to, and, and all you got to do is make these people want to hang out with you for a day. <laughs> That's it. Just like, like if you meet somebody on the street or at a store that's, you know, at the register before you and they're talking and you're like, oh, that guy's, you know, interesting. Like, I'd, I'd love to grab lunch with, the, you know what I mean? That's it. You got 60 seconds to, for them to just say, I don't know who we should cast, but, you know, I wouldn't mind having Scoot on the set for a day. And I got some questions, you know, who knows? So how I went about that, again, was like a part of trauma that I don't really remember. <laughs> but I just remember thinking that, that like, I mean, I remember one time, like I had nothing and I just pretended this trash can was stuck on my foot, you know, um, for this film failure to launch. Like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't remember what I did in the original casting. The director wanted me back. I was like, I don't know what I do. So I left my shoe in the car so that I could pretend to be like, I was frazzled this morning and I, I left my shoe, you know, so many things were happening. So if my, my callback sucks. That's why. It's because I was frazzled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And they, he wanted me for the, of course, Paramount was like, scoot who? Like, right. absolutely not. Um, this guy can't even remember his shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 the, but the character was like a total like loser, you know what I mean? So like it, it, it made sense in a way, but there was like little things. And also too, before, not that that many people know who I am now, but before when like, I wasn't known in the theatrical casting. I did go in as character because it felt really difficult to like come in as something and then switch and be something else. I have that. where, yeah. Have so that. I'd always go in with the accent, and when they asked me where I was from, I'd be like, you know, Alabama. I'm from Boston. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was born in Watertown. You know, I have a whole story so that they never thought that I was not from the place that I was auditioning, you know? Mm -hmm. I lied a lot. I lied a lot. I tell people that all yeah, the this time. Is I'm, good. Like, I'm like, when they say, you know, tell us something, what's your most, you know, the most courageous thing you do? You jumped out of a plane. Make it up. Yeah. No one's yeah, ever yeah, fact-checking yeah. you. told me you. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I did that on accident. Um, Uh-oh. For cast, for commercial casting, they're like, do you skydive? And I was like, oh. I used to be an instructor. You know, and they were like, oh, my God, this guy's an instructor. He's perfect. So they called John to be like, they want to book you on Coca-Cola. And I was like, dude, you've got to get me out of this. I can't. I, I, I'm not an instructor and I don't like skydiving. Like, I never thought, you know, and they're like, dude, they want different. for it. That's the, I say I told people we did something where they wanted uh, people to ride bulls. I'm like, 
say no. They're going to put you on a bull. You understand? Do not say yes. Be like, oh, I can ride a bull. I'm like, no, you understand? <laughs> They're going to put you on a bull. They're like, ah, I can do it. I'm like, you can't do it. So that's different as opposed to making up a story mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that is interesting to, again, to your point, like to make them think, oh, this guy's interesting. I, 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 that, that's a, that was a funny story, something that stood out. I oh. did that once out of trauma as well, where I was like, I was in LA and it was the whole guest star circuit malarkey. And I remember I had kind of just come to town and I had this new manager and I had my list of directors I wanted to work with. You know, it's like Wan Kar Wai and Paul Thomas Anderson. And and then she was like, okay, yeah, sure, that's great. Um, So we're going to go on some generals. Um, <laughs> And first you're going to go to Warner Brothers and then you're going to do the guest star circuit. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, but I don't want to be on TV. Um, and so we were, she was just like pounding me with all these like CSI and, and cold case and all the procedurals. And it's just like every day you're a woman who's been raped or your, you know, kids been taken or it's just like victim, victim, victim. And I was like already getting really angry and resentful that this is what people wanted to watch when they got home from work was just us suffering. <laughs> and so I had already had two auditions and she called me and she was like, I need you to get to Culver City or wherever the fuck right away. Um, same day, it, you are a woman who has a broken toe and you're dying of ALS. And oh. I was like, listen, okay, <laughs> listen, I don't know a thing about ALS, okay? And I'm not going to go in there and disrespect people who have ALS by butchering whatever I think ALS is like. I need a minute. No. And so, she was so like. So, honey, you don't want to work. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? You don't want to work. She made me cry in my car. <laughs> she was like, you're going to get down there and you're going to go. And I was just like so angry and I was just rage driving there. It's like, fuck this. Man. You don't give a shit about ALS. Fine. Then I don't either. So, like, I went in. I was like, my ALS is like, I just stuck my hand in my pocket and I never pulled my arm out of my pocket the whole time I was talking and that was my ALS and then right before I went in I had a plastic water bottle and I took the top off and I stuck it in my shoes so that whenever I stepped on it it was it like was oh painful. yeah you have a broken foot don't forget you have a broken foot you have a broken foot <laughs> and I was like here's your fucking audition I was all mad that they didn't have any respect for the process or anything and then I literally no shit booked it booked on it. the way home mm -hmm. and then I was like so angry. I was like, this sucks. Nobody cares. It always feels like the ones that you don't really care about or you don't want are the ones you get. At least for me. Oh. I think commercial, that's a right? thing, it's right? Like the Have ones you ever that you're done like, that? Always, right? Every, every single every time. I left and called and was like, book it. Yeah. <laughs> like, nah, they didn't even call. They didn't <laughs> right. even the ones return you want, call. Right. And then the ones I'm like, don't waste your time. What's next? Yeah. What they'd call back and they're like, they like you. And I'm like, I don't even remember what I did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, feel like I cared so little. If you I get just... sick or plan a vacation, you're yep, going to book it. You're going to book it. Yeah. I used to, that was part of my process for a while was I would like planning vacations. Vibe, no, well, I have done that actually, but I would vibe out on like, okay, you know what? I'm really busy and I've got something to do after this. That's more important. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do this. I'm going to give you my full time, but then I got to go because I'm important or whatever, you know, like, so there's not this air of desperation that we always would walk in with because you're automatically in a place of need. Yep. Here I am and in a place of need. I need a job from you. And sometimes they can smell that desperation and it's not attractive. I feel like Scoop, but I feel like you always came in, you, and maybe this is you, because you're in character, because like you always came in and you had like the performance. Like you were always, that was always the important thing that you were focused on, it seemed. 
I will, yeah, I mean, I, I, I took it very, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, we, you know, partied and had fun and stuff, but like, I got really serious, like, I never went into a theatrical casting with my pages, and like, those were the rules, like, you had to bring your pages in, I was like, I'm not bringing mine, uh, there was a lot of rules around casting, or protocol, that I didn't follow, you know, um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would go home early on those nights. I, you know, stay up all night memorizing lines, get up super early, drive over to my friend's houses that were in bands, wake them up at 7.30 in the morning, make them run lines with me before I went. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely took it seriously. And then after, you know, I don't know, three years four years of commercials i started taking classes and like i was taking like two classes a week two different classes a week and would switch acting classes like every six or seven months so there was a good four or five years there that i was just i mean not that i don't take it seriously now but really really hammering it um and just soaking up as much information about the casting process uh, the craft of acting and like watching tons of interviews, uh, listening to biographies, just trying to like figure it out. And, you know, at the end of it, like there's nothing to figure out. It's just, you're figuring it out what works best for you, you know, and like whatever you figure out, like doesn't necessarily always help like really anyone else, much less that many people just because that process that you figured out what works for you work, works for you, you know? Yeah. And I think that's part of, part of it. Like you go to school, you go to class, you do those things. Cause you're like, you're like, there has to be, so there has to be some sort of technique to this. And, and you do all that and you're like, Oh, it comes down to me playing music or me painting. It comes down to me processing all that through myself. How much do you feel like your representation played a role in helping you getting cast and things? Um, I mean, it's hard to tell, to be honest with you, because I, I, obviously a lot, but it's hard to tell because you don't really see that other side. Um, I, my, me and my manager have a very, I mean, it's just, I call my manager, he's like my best friend. I talk to him every day. Um, he busts, I mean, I, I know for a fact he works his ass off and busts his ass and is constantly generating things putting things together connecting things coming up with new different ideas and he works really hard so I, I i i mean to answer your question no had i not met that manager i would not be on this podcast today we or, maybe or, would be because i know you so you <laughs> maybe, but like, you, you might be sitting here with you us are pretty <laughs> persistent and diligent yeah but to, but I also had a manager that was persistent and diligent too. So and, like, and a great reputation. Everybody loves John. Like John's awesome. Like everybody. Yeah, and he knows so, everybody. I mean, I ask you know because you know actors like oh I don't know you know I need a new agent I need to do this I need to do that and I I mean I do believe relationship with your representation plays a a part for sure. But then we 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 never waited on rep. rep midnight all these movies we were making i mean i i won't say who but i fired a huge agency because to do midnight kiss because they were like it was pilot season and they're like don't waste your time with these home movies <laughs> and I was like, 
well, I'm not booking any pilots. So, um, uh, and then, yeah, I left the agency over it. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to go do this no budget movie instead of pilot season, which we ended up winning an independent spirit award for. So it, it was for me, you know, yes, I take my representative's advice, you know, but also too, I think as an artist, you, you, you still have to pave your own own way and you know what's best for you than it, more so than anyone else. Do you feel like, do you feel like it's been going on in a way for you that you are somehow in control of or more control of at some point? Like, do you feel more in control of your career and your life now than ever before or? No. It, no, it just still <laughs> always it, I feels saw something like, De Niro spoke to this no. the other day too, no. yeah. The like, feeling do, but, but that you, you have uh, that, that you, like this last job was your last one? Yeah, you still have that. Like the grind is still there, right? Uh, yeah, and, and it's not it's yeah. not like I'm thinking it like it's real. It's like I really do I really do think it like I uh, maybe yeah, you got actors out there that like disappear and you're like, what fucking happened to that person? Yeah, they were so like, how are they done. making it? They were great. They did it. I never heard anything bad about them being tough or whatever, but they, they just Yeah. And you're like, huh? So you you'd be naive to think that it can't happen to you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that's what drives us though, that 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 fear and like it ignites a fire under me. Like, well, if no one's going to cast me in something, then I'll go back to doing what I was doing 15 years ago, which is I'll just go back to making my own stuff again. But do you have any tiny percentage more comfort? <laughs> she's of, she's asking for a she's friend. Searching. I'm asking for a friend. This is totally, I'm asking for a friend because I'm good right now. I'm like, unemployment's coming in this week. I'm good. No, do you like, like at some point you have a body of work that precedes you does it give you any more comfort level when you're walking into a room or when you're standing across from Quentin Tarantino you're talking about this work does it feel more collaborative or do you feel like you're still the new kid on fucking set every day no to answer that question yes I do feel like I am a lot more a part of the creative decisions, not a part of them. I'm asked creatively what my opinions are now. And, and there was a long time there that like, it was shut up and say your lines dance monkey, (laughs) you know, and I took that as, okay, I understand my position. I understand. Um, that didn't stop me from talking to the grips and the gaffers and the, all these other people departments. But I remember on uh, killing them softly, um, which the whole casting of that is a story within itself. But I remember Andrew like giving me the script and then giving me another script that was like 350 pages or something. And he was like, if there's anything from the 350 page script that you like, tell me and we'll put it back into the movie. Like when I heard that, I was like, what? Like, I I don't, you know, of course I read the 350 page script and it felt like it had been edited down like really well and perfectly and yada, yada. But I just remember thinking like, 
wow, here's this director that I have so much admiration for and praise for and whatnot that's asking my opinion. Like I still, even in then I couldn't voice it because it was so new to even have the ability to do so. Mm -hmm. um, but then like I have, you know, uh, over the, over time, like just, just, yes, I'm much more verbal during the actual shooting of like, hey, w why is this? Oh, cool, okay. And also it helps me to understand what my parameters are within what I can, can and can't do in the scene or creatively. But, but I definitely, I don't talk that much on set, you know what I mean? But I definitely feel like when I have a thought or an opinion, whether it's taken, or I don't know, but it's definitely heard. And I think just feeling heard is like a, gratifying feeling versus feeling dismissed mm -hmm. yeah you know and just feeling heard like starts to help build that confidence to have more opinions or more thoughts um with always the attitude that like it's not your movie you're not directing it um i just wanted to know it's not like i wanted to change anything i just want to know where that person's head's at so that i could help fill it with some other ideas or expand on that you know Mm -hmm. Have you ever, uh, like? I'm I'm interested to go back to crazy casting stories. Yeah, about, <laughs> yeah. Have Have you ever like inserted yourself into a casting in an unconventional way? Like, you know, I mean, I suppose you kind of spoke to that, but like, done something uh, like beyond just the audition uh to maybe make yourself heard or remembered or like for example i remember there was a, a they were casting for the wendell baker story and i auditioned and it was luke and andrew wilson and it was in austin and at the time i was still cashiering at whole foods and i did my audition it actually felt great everybody seemed it was great it was great and then like a week went by and then luke comes through my line buying a six pack of beer or whatever. And I try to like be cool and I don't want to call attention to it or whatever. I don't want to bug you with, you know, what we just did, <laughs> like this audition thingy. Um, so I let it go and then he comes through my line again and I was like, okay, I'm not having this shit. Cause like it was going on and on and on. And so I finally just looked at him and I said, hey, so are you gonna put me in your movie or what? <laughs> and he was like, uh, I mean, I'm trying. <laughs> and I was like, okay, then we're good. Paper or plastic or whatever, you know? And then <laughs> and then I did end up working on that. But there was a moment where I was like, I'm going to cross this line and take it into the grocery store. And then I did. And did you get in the movie? Yeah, I got in the movie. <laughs> Look yeah. at you. Yeah, I got in the movie. What's ironic is that when most people see me like on the streets that's what they say to me paper or plastic do you, no do you do you work at whole foods <laughs> you're way Everybody, better casting uh for whole foods no they they they're like they look at me they're like that guy looks familiar either i went to high school with him or he works at whole foods but i get my totally groceries. worked in the meat department yeah. 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 It's never. Are you an actor? It's like, do you work at Whole Foods? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> totally. 
totally get that. They kind of look at you too long, like, I know you. We went to school together. You must be Whole Foods. You work at Whole Foods. That's right. I go there all the time. But I mean, have you ever, like, gone around the audition situation at all and been like, hey, I'm Scoot McNary. Cast. I'm I'm quite sure. I mean, I know DGG, David Gordon Green, he said, I met this kid down in Brenham. We drove around for a day. I think I'm going to put him in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know that, that like, that kind of, that started to be, become your world where it was like, you guys hung out for a day on your farm in Brenham. And then he was like, I'm going to put this kid in the movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, the whole, this is sidebarring or stepping outside, but the whole, like, putting yourself on tape, like, process is, like, to me, you're not getting, to me, it feels like you're not really getting the whole picture of the actor or the person, you know? And, and I felt like, and I don't know if this, I don't really necessarily agree to this hundred percent to be true, but my manager would say like, if you can get Scoot in the room, like he's got a 90% chance. But if you, if he doesn't actually go into the room, like, it's like a no-go, like it's just not happening. And I don't know what that is or why that is, but I did feel like if I could chat somebody up or just talk to them, you, you know, like we, we'd get on or we'd find some common thing that we're both interested in. Um, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just have a, I don't know, I don't talk about myself, but like a genuine interest in other people. Yeah. Um, I'm finding like a, that to be yeah, a I'm real problem with the self-tapes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I can't, you know, I can't speak too much on it, but but I can't imagine how difficult that would be. I was really like I would always get a call back, not trying to sound like a weirdo, but that was sort of my rhythm. And now since self-tapes, I like never get a call back ever. It just goes away. And like, I never even, it's like just a waste of time. It feels like there's no communication, no back and forth. And I started to feel like, you know, I started kind of maybe doing different stuff with my, uh, with my slates because I'm just like, you guys don't okay. know anything about me. And in a way that like, when someone's actually in the room, you can you can feel whether you yeah. like them or not that you might want to pursue, hey, well, can they maybe try it this way? Maybe they just didn't quite understand, you know, the description or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that is not happening anymore. And it's kind of like you have to make a scene from the movie and nail it exactly as it would have been in their head, or they're just going to like go on to the next person's tape. And it's been a but real sure struggle. It, it, it is, but I, I feel like, and I, and don't, I, I may be speaking out of turn, but I, like in the other realm, you sort of figure out how to push through and thrive in that. And I feel like this is a new realm of like, tapes that somehow one needs to figure out creatively how to push through and thrive in that taping world and I don't know like what that is if it's like 
I don't, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, I know there's some kids out there shooting like a Lord of the Rings production mm -hmm. for their audition tape that you're like, how long did that dragon take? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, and then there's, I've seen people that are reading it off of their camera on their laptop, you know, that it's, I, I just don't, I mean, that would be a question for you guys. I don't know how one can cast from just a tape without m meeting them. That seems like that would be really difficult. I mean, I think it's about truth and it's about hearing truth and it, and you can, and whether it's a, with a dragon or without a dragon, you can hear the, you can hear the truth into someone's voice. And if they're, if I think some people probably get skipped over because they don't, they're not connecting, you know, they're, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to tell when someone's being inauthentic and not connected to the material, you know, uh, which sometimes I think is a little bit harder in the room, you know, because you're picking up on so much other stuff. Um, I think, I think you can see quality and acting really, really quick on tape. Yeah. I kind of took it as, cause I agree with you. Like if I went into the room, I knew the moment I walked out, Oh, I got a call back. And there was times I knew, Oh, I just booked this even when I didn't want, especially the ones I didn't want, and I always get a call. But what the, what I took from it was, okay, because we were doing cell tapes, we just weren't doing it every single time. Mm -hmm. But what I tried to take from it is like, okay, when I'm watching and editing my playback, like, okay, do I feel this girl is being authentic to this part? And I can tell the difference, like the ones that I just threw away because, okay, now, oh, I got to get this in tomorrow morning. I had so much going on and I didn't really prepare as well. And then sometimes I would book those, which I don't understand how, but I agree. Like I could look at a tape and then be like, even when I'm helping working a callback and sometimes I pre preview and I'm like, ooh, that was really good. I, I felt that. So I just take it as like, okay, this is what they're, we're going to see and the final product. So let me think of it from that I mean, point think, of view. Yeah, I think this is good point. It's like, this is the sandbox now. How are you going to make it good? Mm -hmm. how, you know, you had to learn the other sandbox. Now this is a new sandbox. How are you going to, how are you going to excel? Excel. It is what I have in that yeah. sandbox. So, yeah. It's so weird too. because like, Pretending to do something before the tape or on the pre-tape or yeah. like at the end or something or screaming at your, pretending you have eight kids, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, who knows? You know what I mean? There's a certain sense of like pushing the illusion of, whatever you're trying to be perceived as through the taping process as well. Well, what is your relationship with casting being at your level of work? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, you imagine you don't go in on regular auditions anymore. So what does it look like for you from job to job? Um, I mean, like, look, I, 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 I do get offers. Um, th that said, not for not for everything, you know what I mean? And like um, some things, I mean, I remember specifically on True Detective, um, they wouldn't, I think they were against seeing me at all. Um, and I, I just, I didn't even want the part. I just wanted to audition for it, you know, just because I really liked the sides and I thought it was in the South and it was something I felt comfortable with and, and, they really had to push and push just for me to get a casting. Of course, the second you hear like, they won't see you. It's like, what, what, why? Now I have, now I really want to go in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, because they don't want to see me. Like, why don't they want, I, I just want to audition. I just want an opportunity. I, I'm not saying I want the part. Why didn't they so, want to see you? I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't 
I don't think we got into that and it kind of didn't matter. It was just more of like, now let's focus on making them see me, you know? And so, and I went in for that and read and then for a different role and then just got a call back that they just offered me this other role. Um, and I was really chomping to work with Mahershala and Nick. Um, all the things I'd heard it, about. It would have been great if you were like, nah, I don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's okay. I'll pass. Right? Hey, it goes, it goes that way too. You fight too hard for something, you know, you better be ready to do it. Um, but I just remember that one like being like, you know, no matter where you're at, you're still going to have to prove, you still have to prove yourself every year, no matter what you do. And, um, you're still going to have to prove yourself to other people that don't see you in a certain light. Um, you know, but also too, that's kind of like what's fun about it is trying to someone saying you, you can't do something or you're not right for this. And then going in and being like, fuck you. Like mm-hmm. you want to bet. And yeah, like, love a challenge. <laughs> maybe I'm not right, but I'll let them tell me that, you know, I think it's also interesting to want to try on the clothes and see if this is something you yeah. want to spend time with and to play around with it and to have that sort of collaboration in the audition process to be like, let me test to see if I even want to yeah. be a part of this world or if I get along with this guy, we creatively see things the same. So I think it's a very scary leap to do offer only sometimes because it's like, I think it sometimes is. you it, get those world together and it doesn't match. It's scary for us too. You know what I mean? It's not like, oof, like you get to, like that casting process, you get to kind of find at least a little bit of the world that they're looking for. And then you can, but as an offer, you're, you're, you're putting together a character showing up, presenting it and hoping that, that they like it or that <laughs> yeah, you, show you, up, you show up, you show up that's not it. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause you don't know what they're thinking of you when they offered it to you. You're like, what part of my career are they thinking of? Is it this, is it this kind of role? Is it this kind of guy? What is it? Yeah. Or you, they're like, well, Hey, we want you more in this other thing. And it's like, well, I've, I've already done that. I don't Yeah. I repeat that. I, that was that show. And this is different. You know what I mean? This is a different That's the hard part about casting too. It's like, Let's get the guy to do the thing that he always always does. does. Yeah, it's like no, they don't want they want to show different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard actors like have have a back and forth like with their manager or somebody because they're like, oh, they're you know they're not going to want to do that, and then you'll hear the actor go, I would have known. Well, that's every every list is always like the same. It's like, well, he would be great in this because he's done this. Yeah, it's like, but he's already done that. Yeah. Like, let's think yeah. of somebody, somebody new to do this. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the list game for us goes on and on. It's just like, make a list of all these ideas of people. Of people. Yeah. Well, how's that for you, though? Like, when you have work in those types of jobs where they're like, hey, we just want you to offer. Like, does that, is that just as nerve-wracking? As no, that? not at all. It's easy. Better than when yeah. we have to go through yeah, thousands of Yeah, it's easy. You just, you say, are they available? Will they do it? Here's, here's, here's the offer. Here's the thing. Yeah. You know, but it's it's to kind of like this podcast. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing today, Scoot? Hey, he's here. He's available. Yeah, let's book him on the show. Let's get him in. <laughs> you got some time? I'll take this time to say thank you very much. I would like to say thank you very much too. Um, have you ever been recast on anything? Yes, hundred oh. percent. Like I've been recast like after like four or five table reads. 
Oh no. That's why like I won't go to the table read anymore. <laughs> you're like, you're not going to get I, me again, suckers. Fly out five days early for this table read. I'm like, I can, but I don't want to be recast. So I'm going to skip the, the table read. Uh, yeah, this show, my first pilot I ever did, I changed the name of it, but of what it was called, I'm forgetting what it was called, roommates or something. Anyways, they cast me after the, they kept me in the pilot and then got a new boyfriend for after the pilot. Um, and the show only went one season. But I mean, yeah, I've been recast. I mean, much when I was younger and I just remember feeling like, oh, like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, I'm not really an actor. So mm. that would make sense that I would be recast. It wasn't till like much later that I was like, wait a second. Like, I am an actor, like I can do, you know what I mean? Like that it, that it was like, oh, now I'm an actor who's been recast by another actor, which, yeah, I mean, it, let's be honest, it, it stings, it hurts, but there was so much going then with the cast. It's, you just moved on and just went right on. You just moved on from it. You didn't have, I spent very little time like wallowing in my depression or very, I say very little, I don't even know that I, I, I brought this up before in interviews. I grew up dyslexic. So like you assumed like you weren't gonna get it. Like you, you like you, you just assumed that you, just having dyslexia, you're told you gotta like work really hard and things are different, things are going to be different, or you're going to think different and stuff. But like rejection and stuff was not something that really, <clears throat> I'm not gonna say I was used to rejection from the dyslexia, but I, there was a certain sense of comfortability I had with it that it didn't, it didn't, didn't bother me. Like I said, like I have that, I have it too. So I get what you're saying. It's like, you're, you're, you're used to not getting it or not working out or, yeah, or it, it not, it falling. Yeah. You like, you like, I don't get getting it wrong. Yeah. Getting it wrong. Cause you, it's what you, whether it's it's what a, you're used to. Part yeah, of the it's process what you're used to. Of yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah, it does. So, so you were busy with auditions right after, like you just got back on the audition train. Well, right I also away. want to say too, table reads another one. That's like a completely different beast. that mm -hmm. doesn't oh. work. Don't get me started. Like, on I, I'm always like, I'm. Uh, everyone wants to do. Uh, we want to hear it. I it's hate like, it. I'm yeah. like, why? Yeah. It sounds shitty. Nobody's really acting. Everyone's overacting. Or right? that. Yeah. It's just if I if I had time to memorize all the lines, then mm -hmm. the table oh, great. But if I had to read, that's another. That's the reason I was off book on most of my castings was based on I can't look down and read or like it's a massive pause. Mm -hmm. Me too. All stops. I took a class, yeah, which, which also told me not to do that. Memorizing is a totally oh, is a really? beast. Is a beast with dyslexia. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I found it. What about you? It takes me a hundred times longer than everybody else to learn lines, and I have to know it backwards and forwards, and I have to know it by rote. I have to know it like everybody else's lines, and every yeah, I have to know. And then that motherfucker lines. comes in. He's like, "Okay, I got it." Yeah. yeah, I'm like you, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I see that like actors memorize monologues yeah. on the way to work, yeah. and I'm like, they get their pages. Uh, I get their pages. Yeah. They're like, okay, this, this, that. Yeah, okay, I got that. I'm like, uh, I go. That took me all night. 
No, but I did. I had a I did a workshop with a casting director years ago, and she and I was the only one who had all the lines memorized. But I don't know if that my theater background or what. Yeah, it's the and she was just like, "This is why you're not booking commercials because you should always have your papers in your hands." And I was like, "Huh?" So that threw me off. This clicks though now why you always came in so prepared because yeah. you because you had, had to you had to yeah, yeah yeah or I would have been like a deer in headlights frozen. Yeah. There was a PSA we did at Shane's and it was like a drug addict or something. And you came in just for a PSA, which is public service announcement, no money. And you came in so prepared in character and everyone was just like, oh, I got that job. I know. Yeah. Where I drive into the dumpster, like on crack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's great. That's a great it PSA. Was my, it was one of my favorite. Don't do crack kids. It was the moment I was like, dude, Scoot's a motherfucker. <laughs> like he's got, he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> and Shane both were just like, damn, he brought it. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a fun, fun little shoot. Man, I had so much fun doing commercials. Like, I really miss it. Like, it was like a one day of work, two days of work. It was like a SNL skit. You could try anything because they were going to chop it down to 15 to 30 seconds. It was just a playground. To, and improv, uh, improv started becoming a big deal. So it was like you could just do anything. Anything, yeah. you know. Uh, and they were fun. And, you know, I, I, luckily I was felt very lucky that I would get some of the ones that were comedic or like yeah. had a comedy thing to them. Um, but, yeah, I do. I do miss them, man. They were they were, I had a lot. I, I really well, enjoyed that. This podcast blows up. Maybe John will start getting calls from T-Mobile and Verizon. Yeah. <laughs> you can ride a mechanical bull again or something. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now that you're, you and John are producing and stuff like that, are you seeing casting? Are you p putting people through casting or? Um, I mean, mo we will eventually get to that place, but it's more of like, uh, you know, thinking who we think is right for it and, and sort of reaching out to them directly. Also, you know, availability is a big thing these days. But um, John, man, he watches every single TV show. He knows every, he's like a Quentin Tarantino with like an encyclopedia of actors' names. Wow. So like he knows every everyone and like whenever i bring up oh i don't know anybody the age of 25 that's like a latino girl and be like oh here's five that are on hit shows like, oh all right yeah he's really really he's really really on it in that regard to to casting or that movie frank and cindy that we did yeah I mean, yeah with gj yeah yeah that's the whole thing himself he's you know um that was a, that was GJ's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. He's great. What an yeah, and what a great that documentary that he made. It's so good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, there was a there was a, a guy, GJ, that, that was always actor and around and he made he made a documentary about his 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 uh his, his dad and his mom. And uh and then these guys picked it up, made a movie about the documentary. It was great. Is it out? Yeah, it's out. Yeah. Shout out Frank and Cindy. Yeah. Frank and Cindy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Rene Russo plays uh, Cindy and Oliver Platt plays Frank. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's a great, it, it's a great flick. So, go ahead. No, you go. No, go ahead. No, you go. No, really, you go. No, you go. I think you asked the last question. It's my turn. Yep. So where, where do you feel most in control of your creative process? Is it 
is it like before the audition prepping for the audition is it like once you're on set like do you i mean that's a pretty good question because i don't really have a process it's just kind of like figure it out per each one sometimes i'll go interview people sometimes i'll watch a lot of stuff on the internet about it or youtube sometimes I'll, you know, stare at a tree for a couple hours and just ponder in my head. Um, but I do, I'm about to go off to South Dakota to go do this job. And like, yes, I've like cut my hair. I usually start, I'll go to a thrift store. I mean, I don't always do this, let's be honest. But I, sometimes I'll go to a thrift store, get some of the clothes that the character wears, cut my hair, grow up my facial hair to that and wear it around the house for a couple of weeks, you know, catch yourself in the mirror, you know what I mean? And that uh, exterior of the, the character. Um, so you're an probably, outside in, like you would. Yeah, I think it happened first. Um, six out of 10 times, I'm usually basing the character off of someone that I know personally. Um, it's just like a starting place, you know? Um, so sometimes I'll take what that person wears or sometimes like, you know, true detective, I saw that guy at the car wash and I was like, I mean, I took some pictures of him, like from my car and took him to the makeup department. I was like, that's, that's, that's the guy, that's Tom Parcell. I want to, that's what I want him to look like. And I'd already grown out my hair really curly and cut it that way, but it kind of gives them like, this is what I'm going for, but I'll do as much work as I possibly can and prep and then when I get to work I usually throw it all out the door and start paying attention to what everybody else is doing um I feel like I learned about a decade ago to to adjust to other people's process instead of trying to get people to adjust to mine and so that's kind of my process now is adjusting to other people's process um and it's it's really, I love, I love actors. I love, they're crazy. They're weird. All these things. I love actors. So I really love to see like what the, someone else brings in, you know what I mean? I don't want to have any, I don't want to get locked into anything I'm doing because a lot of times other actors come in and do something that I find is really interesting that I want to either highlight that or lift it up or put a spotlight on it. Um, and if I'm too in my own world of what I want to do, then some of those things can get washed away, which I think those things are things that make the scene really interesting or fluid or different. Um, um, and I love mistakes on camera too. Me too. They're just gold. And so like, I don't like to rehearse. I like to just see what happens and hopefully we'll get some gold in there on the first or second take some mistakes. Well, thank you for saying that because I know a lot of times it feels like, well, I don't really have a process because I feel that way. But everything that you said is like, I do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's really affirming, you know, that you're like, not just this floundering crazy person who's maybe not really an actor or whatever. It's like, you know, sometimes I'm watching YouTube at preachers and preacher's wives to do this thing. Other times I'm just staring at the ceiling 
most of the time I'm going to a thrift store, getting an old ratty bathrobe, dragging it in the mud and wearing it around the house for a couple of days, shaving off my eyebrows, you know, things <laughs> like, like, yeah, yes. what's most important is you're just engulfing your brain yeah. with, you know, about the script or the character or the movie or the location that you're about to fly to. It's just having a constant stream of thought through your head is essentially to me, what getting into character kind of is, you know? I mean, a lot of musicians, a lot of directors talk about that being in that space, that sort of meditation space and the ideas come from the larger sort of world to you. And I think that walking around as that and being in that space, the ideas start to come. I also see people on the street and I'm like, I want to play that guy. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, And I'm like, I hope I want to make something about that guy. I want to play that guy. That's you have to like res- respect yourself enough and give the whole theden- thing credence okay. enough to be like uh, open to allowing those, um, you know, things mm-hmm. to inspire you that you look out at the world through that lens now, you know. I, I just was working with the film with James McAvoy. Um, he's an incredible actor. He's incredible in this movie. But I found myself so fascinated every morning to watch to see what the hell James was going to do with work today. And it was just mesmerizing to, you know, you know, and, you know, uh, Amy Adams, same thing. Like you, you get a front row ticket to the show, you know, they're acting right in front of you. So you get, you get a real life experience, you know, and I love those moments where, you know, act, other actors just take you, you get lost into their own work and, you know, you fucking forget to say your lines sometimes because you're just staring at them, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um, great because you're in this reactionary place, which is where it's like, really it's like, it's like be. being It's like being in the recording studio. Like you're I reacting. grew up in recording studios and it's like you're mm-hmm. here as they're making this thing yeah. that's going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also, yeah, like, okay. these are caliber of actors who are going to give you something huge that you can just mm-hmm. get, you can just submerge yourself in the in the world and just genuinely react to them. Just listen. Yeah. That's such a gift. <laughs> and, I, and I do, and I, and yeah, like I said, actors, they surprise you. They su- surprise you, surprise me all the time that I love that element of, surprised to see what this other artist is bringing in and um you know if they're gonna do something or improvise i'm like don't tell me just i don't want to know what you're gonna do yeah, just yeah it, it allows you to be in the moment and like respond yeah naturally. yeah hopefully the camp put the wait till it's my coverage to surprise me so you get a genuine reaction you know what i mean it's like yeah. less work for us to do let's go make something let's go make something <laughs> and uh, let's audition each other in the room like yeah, none of this self tape bullshit. Let's make a TV show about casting. Let's make a TV show about making a casting podcast about casting. <laughs> cool, <laughs> John will cast it. I'll cast it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scoot, I wish we could talk to you all day. Yeah. But yeah, we've taken up. It's been really, really uh, uh, awesome, and it's been really great to to chat with you and Johnny. It's been really great to catch up with you, man. It's been too long. I know. I know. I are you? Uh, we surely miss you here in Austin. Yeah, but say you ever coming back? Um, yeah, I get down there from time to time. I, there's a potential chance I may be working in Fort Worth here in the next, you know, six or seven months. 
but I'm not coming back there anytime soon with that. Yeah, I was about to say, don't come. I know. Don't come. Everyone keeps complaining about the heat. Is it raining where yeah, you are? Yeah, but I heard you got volcanoes, yeah. right? Hurricanes. Vol- hurricanes. An earthquake. Yeah. Like, and it's still 65 degrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> L.A., fuck. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, thanks, Scoot. Yeah, Appreciate thanks. you. Wait.